That's so on brand for you. So on brand. Yep, very on brand. Hey everyone, welcome to the That's So On Brand podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Mann. I'm a graphic designer and business coach, and I am endlessly fascinated by other people's passions. It's our passions that make us unique, relatable, and people that others want to work with and get to know. I'm on a mission to get people thinking about their story and how their life experiences have molded them into the entrepreneur, athlete, or professional that they are today. You may not be for everyone, but you are most definitely a person that someone out there needs right now. So join me every Wednesday to hear from aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners and see just how unique, authentic, and inspiring each person's journey is. So let's get into it. All right. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so excited. I have Lindsay Singleton with me today. How are you? I'm wonderful. I am wonderful. Thank you. It's so, so wild that you're here. Like years ago or back when I was in college, if you had told me that I'd be interviewing you, I'd be like, all right, no way. Um, if you told me years ago that you designed my logo for my business because I had left the college, I would have said you were lying. Isn't that crazy? So much has happened. So much, so much. And it's so exciting to just, you know, I, I think one of the blessings of social media is you get to see people's journeys, you know, and, and whether, you know, you reconnect the way that we have been able to or not, like, it's just such a blessing. I think, you know, there's a lot of downfalls and pitfalls of social media, but to me, um, I am a, a storyteller. I, you know, just absorb people's stories. And so that to me is the one blessing of social media is that you get to see people writing their stories through social media. Um, I just think the downfall is that too many of us base our own stories on other people's stories, or yep. we try to, pick up our pen and try to uh, contribute to other people's stories. So, Oh, that's a, that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> I love that. All right. So let's, let's get into it. Tell yeah. my audience what you do. Okay. Um, well, just a little kind of what I did, which leads into what yeah. I do. So I spent 14 years uh, as the assistant director of a counseling center out of college and a um, variety of things took place. Um, pandemic certainly influenced my transition for a variety of reasons uh, and then made the, the very difficult um, and yet looking back brave decision to leave higher education, to leave um, the safety and security of of being in a place where I probably could have stayed, stayed um, for the remainder of my career. And in January, uh, took a leap of faith and left and started my own mental health private practice doing only telehealth. Um, and so, uh, which has been amazing. Uh, I, I enjoy the clinical work. I enjoy, you know, supporting individuals as they're navigating mental health, navigating life, et cetera. Um, and along those lines, you know, something that professionally was always, you know, when I look back at my, my professional journey, 
I've always needed the balance of intervention along with prevention. Uh, it was something that I was super passionate about when I was working at the college. Like not, I didn't just sit in the counseling center and just meet with students. I had to, you know, run clubs and, and speak and, you know, talk to the That's athletes. That's how we met. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, I love doing RA trainings. I love doing orientation, those types of things. And so when I left um, and, you know, started my private practice, I knew that I was going to have to find a way to bring the, the prevention piece into my life. And um, so uh, I created um, Lighthouse Coaching and Consulting. Uh, to give me a platform and an opportunity to work with adolescents, um, young adults, schools, parents around transition, um, whether it be transition out of high school, transition into college, out of college, transition um, for an athlete who's maybe no longer, you know, participating in the sport that was a huge part of their identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what Lighthouse has become. It's become kind of this opportunity to provide coaching to individuals going through transitions, but to also continue public speaking, offering presentations, trainings, et cetera, around transition, around mental health, around suicide prevention. Uh, bystander intervention, all sorts of things. And it's, it's continuing, you know, I'm, I'm continuing to kind of think about what, um, what communities, what, what topics, what areas, you know, those, those workshops and trainings can, can offer. And I'm so grateful that I found you and also it was called reach at that point. What is it called now? It doesn't exist. (gasps) Oh, Oh, wow. Okay. So that's another whole conversation, but (laughs) I'm so glad I found that because in my freshman year, I was one of those kids who was like, I don't know if I want to stay here. Like, I don't know if I'm happy. I haven't found my people. Like I'm not like a big partier. Like I just felt so out of place in a lot of ways. And I was going through a big breakup. Like anxiety, all those things. Um, and I eventually found a therapist off campus too, mm-hmm. um, who was very helpful, but finding reach and finding those people who were like, no, we don't want to do these things either. Like you're not alone, even though it might seem like you are, that was so formative for, for mm-hmm. me and my college experience. And it got me to stay and I'm so glad I stayed. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And you know, I think that the creating those spaces, you know, especially in higher education, you know, creating spaces where it's it's just focused on authenticity, vulnerability, and just, you know, going deeper, you know, not just the blanket statement of you are not alone, but creating a space where we can actually talk about why we're not alone, how we're not alone. Um, and, you know, allowing individuals to own their struggles, you know, and, and accept what they've navigated. And then realizing that once you've gone through something, you then get to be a mentor, you know, when you go through a hard breakup, you know, you come out on the other side of it and then guaranteed in life, somebody's going to come to you who's going through a breakup and you have this enormous empathy because you have walked 
a similar path, um, which I think is is what's so important is creating those spaces where people can, you know, come together and see the varying levels. You know, somebody walks into a, a reach meeting and they're just now beginning a breakup where somebody is a month out, somebody is right. six months out, and you know, you all get to kind of share in that. Yeah. And it's also about, I think it's something you taught me and taught a lot of people is like accepting what you're feeling and not always being like, oh, like it's an anxiety disorder or like there's something wrong with me. You're just recognizing that you feel that way. And like, that's cool. And that's normal for you. I think you said that to me once you were like, this is normal for you and that's okay. And I was like, you're right. And that's something that always repeats over and over again in my head. So yeah, creating those spaces is so, so important. And I think we have as a society, we've over pathologized uncomfortable feelings, you know, that we've over pathologized anxiety where, you know, like coming into this space with you, I'm nervous. Like there's definitely an anxious feeling in having conversations like this, being vulnerable, being open, but that doesn't, that's not anxiety. You know, I don't, you know, have to diagnose myself with anxiety because I feel anxious. You know, I, one of the things that I I sometimes struggle with um, is, you know, I'll I'll be talking with an individual and they'll immediately say, well, I was triggered. And it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, were you uncomfortable? Were you upset? Because as soon as we say I was triggered, it's no longer about us. It's that somebody else, something else triggered us and we're no longer owning that emotion. And as opposed to immediately disconnecting from the emotion and the experience and just being like, well, I'm triggered, therefore I'm uncomfortable, therefore I don't want to talk about this. I think that that it's dangerous because we don't get to build our resiliency. We don't get to strengthen, you know, these are muscles, you know, dealing with emotion, you know, is, is something that we have to practice. And, and I think that if we're quick to diagnose, quick to, to, you know, blame somebody else, quick to, you know, disconnect from that emotion, we really don't develop kind of the skills necessary to deal with those emotions. Totally. It's the easy way out. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's just saying so. I have this and okay, that's it. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I know the meaning behind the name Lighthouse, but can you talk a little bit about that? And then I also want to talk about what the branding process was like. Yes. For <laughs> so, um, Lighthouse is an enormous um, part of who I am personally and professionally. Um, I'm going to try to take a really long, long, (laughs) long story and make it as quick as possible. So I was working with an amazing colleague um, at the college and it was just one of those weekends where it had been a tough weekend. There were a lot of alcohol transports. I was seeing a lot in the the counseling center. He was seeing a lot through residence life. And that particular year, the, the college president had released money and basically said, if you write a proposal for something, maybe I'll fund it kind of thing. So in talking with James uh, about, you know, 
gee, maybe we could do something, you know, maybe we could collaborate and create something um, to do for the students to, you know, address what we were seeing that, that we were concerned about. So we were talking and, and James uh, had attended Springfield College. He had participated in an organization at Springfield called LTC, which basically was a, a retreat, took students off campus. Um, and he was just kind of sharing that experience. And I just got so excited about getting stu students off campus, taking away their cell phones, taking away their watches, their laptops, and really creating a space for reflection, self-awareness, um, and ultimately how reflection and self-awareness, you can take that back to campus and make a difference and, and do something. So there had been a program at the college called SAIL, which stood for Students Achieve in Leadership. And it was non-existent. Nobody was doing anything with it. Like, I don't think that they had an advisor at the time. And so that idea of leadership was was just, you know, really um, important to me because I, in my own college experience, you know, I was involved in peer education and I thought that it was an important element of the college experience is to give people from all backgrounds the opportunity to see themselves as leaders, not just the athletes, you know, who are captains, not just orientation leaders, not just RAs, not just those who are in honor societies, but any student can see themselves as a leader. And so in the process of creating this, um, this retreat, we needed a name. And uh, it's funny looking back, I still have the emails back and forth with James and I as we were trying to create a name. Funny. <laughs> and, um, you know, I knew it had to be nautical because the college was, you know, on the water. Mm -hmm. And so you know, the, the image of a lighthouse kept coming back to me because, you know, one of the things about me is I am like the metaphor queen. I am always looking. <laughs> yes, you are. To, I am the metaphor queen. <laughs> I am always looking to take things that seem abstract or, um, you know, kind of gray and give it a metaphor to assist in, in making it tangible, real, etc. So, um, so anyway, so lighthouses to me, you know, they, they guide us, um, through, through storms. And so lighthouse, you know, was definitely kind of the, the image that I had in my head. And then I am also the acronym queen. Um, yes, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> yep. You had mentioned reach real Hence education reach. about college health. Um, I am, yes, I can come up with an acronym. You have a gift. I do. I do. So, um, the light in lighthouse stands for learning to inspire, guide, help, and teach. Um, and so that one retreat, it was a one and done. It was, we're going to take these 30 students. We're going to bring them to a camp. We're going to have this retreat. We're going to come back. And that was great. We're going to feel good about ourselves. <laughs> Well, when we got back to campus, um, part of the, the end of the retreat was to have dinner with the president and his wife at his house. And we did that. And as the students left, every single student, which there were 30 on that first retreat, every single one of them hugged the president and his wife. <laughs> and I think that, you know, conversations that the president and his wife had had with the students about their experience and what it was like and all of that. I got a call probably a day or two later um, from the president basically saying, 
I don't know what you did, but whatever you did, you're doing it again. <laughs> and so, again, and um, again. <laughs> yep. So that, that one retreat, um, turned into at the end, 13 retreats over 12 wow. years, um, nearly 500 students. Um, I went on one. <laughs> yep. You went on one. Yeah. Quite a few of your friends, uh, oh, went, yeah. went on them. Um, I, I know that, that some of the people who continue to be part of your lives, uh, either they went on your retreat or what would often happen was somebody would come back from a lighthouse retreat and be like, you have to go on this. Um, Kyle Ruffin was like, we're going to be best friends when you get off your retreat. I was like, I don't know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) But he was right. He was still friends. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Um, and so, you know, now cut to the name, um, 13 years, pandemic, all sorts of things, um, happened. Um, you know, I guess that this is the point in my story and, and in sharing everything happens for a reason, Mm -hmm. um, not to get (laughs) too into the, the darkness of it, but, um, administration changed that president, uh, at the college, uh, had passed and we got a new president, new vice presidents and new deans. Like, you know, a lot of things had changed, uh, over the years as they do, as they do, as they do. And I was brought into the office, um, summer of 2021. And basically it was informed that Lighthouse was being given to a new staff member, that they were the new director of student activities. We want all leadership programs falling under this department. Therefore, we're giving Lighthouse to this person, which, I mean, rip my heart out, throw it on the ground, stomp on it. Um, yeah, like didn't seem like theirs to give, but nope. Nope. But, um, but I, you know, professionally, you know, just kind of sat in that space and was like, okay, you know, I, I don't think that I can change your mind and it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about lighthouse was each year I worked with eight student facilitators. So these eight students would plan the following retreat. And then if any of them graduated, you would fill in the spots. And so you always had eight facilitators. And the eight facilitators, I informed them, um, they met with the new person and probably within a month, all of them had quit and basically said, this is not what we signed up for. This is not lighthouse. This is not the experience that, that we, not only that we had, but this is not the experience that we're looking to give to other students. And so in that decision that those students made, Lighthouse came to an end at that college. Um, And so when I left, there was not a doubt in my mind that I was taking that name back. Yeah. Uh, Even though it doesn't have, yep. (laughs) Even though I don't uh, continue to use the acronym professionally of learning to inspire, guide, help, and teach, that is um, my driving force. So when I'm talking about Lighthouse, when I'm, when I'm looking at my work, when I'm thinking about what I want to offer, it is learning, inspiring, guiding, helping, teaching. So 
Um, it's not a part of the brand, so to speak, but it is a part of my motivations uh, right. in doing the work. Which in turn is part of your brand, I would yes. argue, internally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember you came to me and you wanted to to work together and to create a logo. And even before I knew details, I was like, I bet you it's going to have a lighthouse. (laughs) (laughs) Unsurprised, but Mm -hmm. it, it was a really fun project. I love the way everything came out and I loved working with you and being a part of kind of like the growth or like the next step of Mm. lighthouse, I guess you would call it. So what, what was the visual branding process like for you? Like what was important to you to come across in a logo for, for your business? It's the symbolism, you know, it's kind of that, that there are, are images that we see that, that we connect to in some way, shape or form. And um, in being able to see an image that immediately in some way, shape or form you can connect to, you know, whether it's thinking about, you know, um, just what it, what it means to you. You know, I remember doing a a training at a conference and it was talking about branding and, you know, showed, you know, Disney and Nike and, you know, all of these different, you know, symbols that as soon as you see the symbol, there are values that you associate with that symbol. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, if you see the, the Nike swoosh, you're not thinking about video games. You're not thinking about, you know, the value of, uh, you know, um, you know, religious in tone or Mm -hmm. whatever it may, you know, as soon as you see that, you think, you know, athleticism, you think movement, you think active speed. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, the same with, you know, when you see the, the Disney symbol, um, even the, the letter writing for Disney, you know, you think family, you think youth, you think children, like imagination. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so in, in what I want to offer, I want to be a light in people's storms. I want to offer that opportunity to guide individuals to to shine a light on things to help them either get around them or get through them and so you know that that is those are my core values and i think that in creating this this chapter in my life i wanted to make sure that whatever we created that it that it resonated with my core values and and what i'm trying to do in the work that i'm offering you know, when it's on my business card or it's on a a worksheet that I give to a client or a presentation that I do, you know, it's, it's a symbol that they're seeing in terms of, you know, they're, they're connecting with what lighthouses mean to them. Um, But it also, you know, helps me stay grounded in in what it means to me. Right. It's a symbol of hope. Mm. When you see that in a, in a storm, you're like, land is nearby like you're working towards something on on that journey and Mm -hmm. I think that translates very well into what you do and what you're trying to help others achieve for sure yeah Yeah. I love the way it came out I think it's beautiful 
it's so gorgeous and and just kind of you know as you were were sharing things and and you know having never gone through a process like that before and going through with you it was so powerful to me to to almost see how easy it was to discard certain images like nope that's not it that's not it that's not it and then you know to work with you and being like i like this can this be added here can this be you know and and to go through that because again i think that it's something that if it speaks to your core it speaks to your story if it speaks to your values you know it immediately you yeah. know and i think that it was what you offered me in that process was to just trust myself that even though i'm not a graphic designer even though that this is like just trust yourself and so when i looked at the images you know, you gave me permission to say, no, I don't like it with no, like you weren't taking it personally. Like you were just like, right. I'm going to throw a bunch of things at you. It is not personal. This is for you. And because you gave me that permission to trust myself, it was just so easy to be like, I like this. I like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. I'm glad you feel that way. I always, I want people to understand that negative feedback or maybe not negative feedback but saying that you don't like something is actually very helpful for me yes. and that gives me you know more intel as to what you do like without you even realizing it because a lot of people will say I like that but it's hard for them to say why whereas if they don't like something it's it tends to be easier they're like I don't like the color I don't like the hard lines. I don't like the font. Like it's easier yeah. to talk about what you don't like in a lot of ways. So yes, I always try and make that clear that like, I want that. I need mm -hmm. that. <laughs> yes. Very, yes. Very helpful. And I think that to me, you know, it's, it's one of those and, and kind of a, an ongoing mantra of mine is be curious, not critical. Right. And and I think that in that process, like you were curious about me, I was curious about your process. And so because we were both staying open to curiosity, you know, and, and I think that, that that's one of those that if you don't like something, it doesn't mean that you have to be critical about it. You know, you can just through curiosity say, you know what, that doesn't work for me. Exactly. It's not a matter of being right or wrong in general. It's uh, about the fit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So in terms of, I guess you can take this in any way you want, whether it's speaking, whether it's therapy, whatever industry it is, mm -hmm. what are, what, what's a pet peeve that, that you have, or what's an issue that, that you face, or I don't know, a, a hard industry opinion I'm looking for here. For, uh, <laughs> it's interesting, you know, <laughs> I, I was thinking of this actually, um, not long ago. Um, my pet peeve with trainings and workshops mm. is that the value of what you're offering is oftentimes too, too aligned with what you're charging to speak. So for example, if I'm doing a training and I say to, um, you know, a school, I'll charge you $500 for it that somehow my offering that is less valuable than somebody who's going to charge $5,000 mm. to give a speech. Right. And when you look at public speakers, when you look at trainings, workshops, it's, it's one of those where either you do it for free 
or you do it for an exorbitant amount of money. That there feels like no middle ground. Like, you know, there are a bunch of, of conferences that I have looked into that I would love to speak at um, to not only offer, you know, my insight, my experiences, um, but also, yes, to to put myself out there and say, if this resonates with you, I would love to come and speak to your students or, or your parents or, or whatever that may be. But if I want to go to these conferences, then I have to pay, I have to apply to present at the conference, and then I have to pay the same registration fee and, and all of that. But these conferences will then spend five, ten, twenty thousand dollars on a keynote speaker that people can't afford to right. bring back to their campuses and to their communities. Right. And so that's where I get, I get frustrated because, and people have said, you know, make sure you charge your worth or make sure you charge enough where people see the value. Right. And while I appreciate that, the value is in the transformation of information. You know, I did a a training last night. um, It's, it's QPR. It's question, persuade, refer. It's a suicide you know, prevention training. The value is not me. The value is the information going from me to these individuals to help prevent suicide. Right. Is it worth $5,000? No. (laughs) Absolutely. Am I worth that? No. I'm a good trainer. I am like, I have no (laughs) doubts. I do not question my skills. I can connect with an audience. I can use humor. I can relate all of that. It is not worth $5,000. And if I'm charging $5,000, then there's a potential that individuals are going to be like, well, I can't afford that. And then the information doesn't get out there. Right. And so, you know, that's my biggest pet peeve, you know, in, in trying to, you know, one population I'm super passionate about are student athletes. I'm so, so passionate about not only, you know, trying to get into, you know, these locker rooms and improve bystander intervention, improve, you know, just the way in which they connect with one another, but to also address mental health of student athletes and to address the mental health of athletes who are no longer able to play their sport, whether they don't make the team, whether they have a career ending injury. And they lose that identity. Like this is a population that is desperate. You know, this is a population that we're seeing suicides, you know, throughout media of individuals who, you know, D1 players who star athletes, great attitudes. They were always happy and they're dying and they're dying because they're not given kind of the opportunity to, to have these conversations. And yet to get in front of these students is impossible. And, you know, because of their schedules, because of politics, because of, and and that's where, where I really struggle is that how do we, as individuals who have skills in, in trainings, in workshops, in providing valuable information, how do we get in front of these individuals who are making the decisions in saying, this is worth it. It is worth having somebody come in and speak to these individuals about these topics. So 
I think that that was a lot for Peppy. I hope I didn't sound too. <laughs> no, no too, I mean, I think accessibility. Angry, but <laughs> no, accessibility in is an issue in many industries and in many services, and that's something that I've struggled with too. Even as a graphic designer, there are so many people who are starting businesses and who can afford thousands of dollars for a logo package or a website, and I see other designers who are charging like three, four, five thousand for packages. And I've never ever charged that much for anything that I do because I'm just like, that's crazy. These people need that service just as much as people who can afford that. And I think that's just a symptom of a bigger problem in, in this capitalist society, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like yes. it's just a vicious yeah. cycle. Like you need to make money, they need the service. Well, like there's just so many moving parts. It's it's hard to to navigate through that. And especially as a new business owner, too, you're like, I want to take every opportunity that I can get, but I also can't be working for free for a week in a row. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And and, you know, trying to, again, offer that because, you know, for you to be a public speaker, like you have to be out public speaking. So it's that, that, you know, experience of, um, I'm only going to get the attention of those I need to by doing it, but then how do I offer this service and still make a living? And, you know, I feel, you know, so again, blessed and fortunate that for me, I have my mental health counseling that, that pays my bills. Like I, you know, and I've had to spend, you know, eight months in, in securing that and making sure that, that, that income is, is steady. Um, and then, you know, having this be, be something that that's an add on. Um, but I, again, it's one of those where, when I look at what people charge for speaking and then think about, I don't, I don't want to charge that. And it's not because I'm not worth it. It's not because your, your audience isn't going to get anything from me. But it's just one of those where I I don't I would rather those resources go to other things. Right. It just doesn't feel good or feel right to you. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I think that's a really good um, a really good point to bring up. I know I have friends who are trying to break into public speaking and they're running into the same issues. Um, I also I have a question that's related more to like the clinical counseling side. So I've been since I moved, I've been trying to find a new therapist because I went across state lines and I have new insurance and it's just, it's been really hard to find people with openings. I found two people and I'm going to see both and see who I like better, which is great. I'm so happy I found two. That's amazing. But it took like weeks and everyone has wait lists or no availability. And so I'm wondering if maybe, is it because there's a lack of people who are providing the service or is it the pandemic made everyone need something <laughs> like, or is it both? Like what, yep. what is that a symptom of? I um, guess? It's definitely both. I mean, I think that, you know, kind of the, the blessing of destigmatizing mental health means that more individuals are seeing it as a a positive right that that more individuals you know are recognizing the value 
of having a space with a trained professional, you know, not just always going to your friends or your family or your coworkers, right. but having that safe, supportive, non-judgmental space. Um, and so I think that that's the beauty of destigmatizing mental health. The challenge is that more and more clinicians are not taking insurances. Oh, interesting. So I, you know, I, I'm a part of a, a few, you know, groups and a lot of individuals are, you know, deciding I will do out of pocket, um, but I'm not billing insurances anymore because the insurance companies really do make it borderline impossible. Um, you know, I pay somebody, an insurance biller who takes care of all of my claims and does all of it for me. And that's an expense that is worth it because I want to do the work. I don't want to bang my head against the wall trying to figure out why a claim wasn't approved. So that to me was, you know, an absolute return on investment. Amazing. Awesome. Right. So many hoops to jump through. It's just, and, and again, I think that it's, it's understanding, you know, there's so many things at play, you know, when you accept insurance, you can't offer sliding scale. So if I have somebody who's like, well, can I just pay you out of pocket? I have to charge them what the insurance company charges me or bills me. So if, if Blue Cross Blue Shield gives me, you know, $120 for an hour long session, and I say to you, you know what, Kristen, you don't have Blue Cross Blue Shield. I'll charge you 50 bucks. Blue Cross Blue Shield finds out that I've done that. Now all my Blue Cross Blue Shield are $50. Right, right. So it's, you know, that that is the, the challenge of, you know, trying to offer these services is because you want to be there. Like right. I, I have five people with this insurance company that, is doing this to me. Right. And I have to go back to them and say, I'm sorry. Like I can't, and they're desperate. They're like, but nobody. And it's like, I, I can't do it. I just can't do it. So too much for one person to deal with. That's wild. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and people will reach out and be like, well, I want to meet with you in person post pandemic. You can't afford rent. Nowadays, right. the liability oh gosh, no. insurances, you know, for me to have an office space and, and clinically, sure, there are clients that clinically that is appropriate. Like you want to meet with them in, in, in that space, but it's not affordable. Right. It's just not affordable. Right. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, tough. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of layers that go into mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Well, thank you for shedding some. You're welcome. Uh, I You're was welcome. very curious, and I know that yeah. wasn't on the script. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. But you know I, what I would say. What I would say to anybody who's listening, who's having a hard time, you know, trying to find a provider, just don't give up. Don't give yeah. up. You know, write up an email, copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste. Oh, yep. Go on Psychology Today use the, the, you know, what I did. Yep. Make some phone calls, set aside like 30 minutes, call a bunch of people, just see, you never know. You never know. Um, you know, ask people, you know, put it out there and you know, that's one, you know, put, use your social media. Does anybody know of a counselor who's taking, you know, X, Y, or Z? Um, 
but don't give up. Just, you know, don't give up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, now that you brought social media, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so in the beginning, you mentioned that social media has been great to keep in touch with people and to see people telling their stories and to be a part of other people's stories maybe. And that's how I feel like about the positive side of, of social media. There are a lot of negatives, but how has, has social media played a role in running your business or connecting with people through, but like, I know that you have kind of like two separate containers in your business. So yep. I'm sure part of it you keep private, but in the speakers, that's very public. So what what has that process been like for you in incorporating social media in? So uh, full transparency, I have not used it at all in terms of promoting my, well, no, correction. I've used LinkedIn. That is the only one that that I have used to share blogs that I've written, um, to share yeah, kind of my experience and yeah. my journey in that. Um, you know, partially because it's not just the business side, but when I think about my population that I, that I'm targeting, I feel like there's a lot of you know business professionals who are parents. You know, so I'm not I'm not hitting the teenagers. I'm not hitting the college students. But what I'm hitting are the professionals and the parents um, in in that, because ultimately those are going to be the individuals who might, you know, pay for their student to get some coaching or they might pay for for me to come in and do the training. So that that has been the the social media platform that I have used. Um, Yeah, that's great. And, and it's, you know, it, it definitely, you know, when I, when I look at my website, you know, I'm able to, and, and that's been something, I mean, I've done it all through Squarespace. Like I don't have anybody doing my website. Like, so, but what I appreciate about it is I'm able to look at the analytics, you know, I'm able to see when I post a blog and then I go back like, okay, who's coming how many from people LinkedIn. clicked on right. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, which has been, you know, super helpful. I don't feel like you know, with TikTok or, you know, Instagram, like you might get a like, but you don't get the same kind of analytical response to the content of what it is that you're sharing. Um, So, and I just, you know, again, when I think about my population that I work with, I just don't know that a 48 year old woman would translate very well. I just, you know, I joke with my 14 year old son that I'm going to start a TikTok, and <laughs> I think it's more like, to just, please, you know, <laughs> yep, just to torture him. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that um, again, when it comes to mental health and some stuff, you know, I'm I'm skeptical of some of the individuals who who use a lot of social media to to put their message out there and, you know, and, and then knowing what they charge for speaking engagement, it's like, you know, they have really great sound bites, you know, and it shows them on a stage where they've probably gotten paid $20,000 to sit on that stage and say some cool stuff, Mm -hmm. but the general population is not going to be able to access that speaker, that knowledge, that information. And so that to me is, super frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. And there's this whole, like, I don't know if I'd call it campaign, but it's been brought up a a few times in some of the communities I've been a part of, but 
therapists and people who are in like the mental health field being on Instagram and giving away like free advice and like how that generalized those generalized advice pieces like aren't always the best and like is there an issue like I don't know it there's a lot of gray area with that so you have to be careful of that like you want to provide value to people if you can but but I think that that if somebody is is seeking out mental health support and they're not able to connect with a counselor go to your local bookstore go on to Amazon and just start reading yeah you know just there are workbooks there are you know opportunities for you know to to reflect to improve your own self-awareness like you know individuals have walked your path um or a similar path read those books you know hear those stories you don't need professionals telling you sometimes you know like there are individuals who have navigated maybe what it is that you're navigating and you can get just as much from kind of hearing those experiences than, you know, I do, I have done quite a bit of work uh, with individuals with, you know, disordered eating, eating disorders. It's hard nowadays to find somebody as a counselor who specializes in eating disorders. And, and I'll be honest, I'm somewhat hesitant because I'm only offering telehealth. If I'm meeting with somebody with an eating disorder, I want that face-to-face, you know, time, that work. But there are books that are like one of my favorite books for anybody who's struggling with body image, eating disorders, disordered eating. It's called Eating in the Light of the Moon. And it, it uses, and it's specifically for the feminine But, you know, it uses, you know, myths and folklore and storytelling to help, you know, kind of individuals understand the metaphor of hunger or femininity or sexuality and all of these different elements. And it's one of those where, you know, it's a TikTok mental health therapist who's, you know, telling you to love your body. It's like, it's not helpful. (laughs) No, no, no. Like you need to dig in a little bit more. But but you can do it like, like individuals can dig into their own stuff if they're willing to take the time to do it. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, I don't know. I talk about, I talk about this with my friends all the time and we're like, we're convinced that most people on this planet don't ever do the work. You know what I mean? Like so many people never choose to self-reflect and it's just, it's wild. It's it's what I do every day. (laughs) And it doesn't take a lot, right? Like, you know, the same way that people prioritize their physical health, you know, there are individuals, they go to the gym, you know, five days a week, six days a week, three days a week, whatever it may be, like they prioritize that you brush your teeth twice a day, you know, your physical health, you make sure that you're drinking water, like there are so many things that prioritize physical health, an hour a day, a half hour a day, whether it's, you know, reading articles online, you know, uh, reading a book, journaling, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot, you know, and and there are some really good guided journals that can just give you a prompt to get you thinking in, in a way that you haven't thought about something before. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. It doesn't have to be daunting. Um, But, you know, I, I think that, that that to me is we just don't prioritize our mental health and 
you know, it's, it's one where, you know, respectfully for individuals who meditate, that's great. That is wonderful. People who meditate as part of their self-care, as part of their mental health, it's not enough. It's not enough to just meditate. Like it's more important to know who you are, understand your story, your narrative, you know, understand what your obstacles are, what your challenges are, what your successes are, you know, that's more important than, you know, while I meditate for a half hour a day. Right. Like that's a tool, but there are other things that you need to think about and understand about yourself. Yes. In order for that to be effective. Uh, My personal opinion, like I can brush my teeth. (laughs) I can brush my teeth every day, but if I'm only drinking Mountain Dew, (laughs) Like it's one of those where it's like, like, great. I brush my, I get to go to the dentist and say, I brush my teeth twice a day. Like, okay, but you're not living a lifestyle that's kind of supporting that work. So. Right. Right. It's a piece of the puzzle. It's not the whole puzzle. Yep. Yeah. Okay. We're going to move on to the funny, weird questions. Okay. Okay. I'm very intrigued what this answer is going to be, but if you were a car, what would you be? You know, this is a tough one for me because as I'm even looking out my window right now at my, my, you know, mom SUV with my son's school sticker on the back of it. It's like, oh my God, who am I? Like, (laughs) I am that person. Is Uh, this me? Is this me? Like, this is my life right now. Oh, it's such a mom car. Anyway. Um, and so Uh, at first I'm like, oh, I'm a mom. And so like, it's going to be my mom car. And it's like, no, (laughs) because even as a mom, like, I just, I feel like I'm just one of those moms that I just don't fit with other mom. You're more than a mom. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like the mom car doesn't fit. Um, so I actually, what car I would be, would be my first car, um, for, for so many reasons, but my very first car Actually, my my boyfriend bought it for me, but there's a reason for that. So he was a car mechanic and the car was not running. And so he saw it as kind of like a challenge for him. And so my very first car was an Audi 4000 S Quattro. Gosh, wow. Um, Which, you know, please, when I say Audi, this thing was the antithesis of bougie. Um, But you know, it had a, a cassette player mm-hmm, in it, which mm-hmm. I'm, I'm aging myself. It had a crank sunroof. So like, Whoa, crank sunroof? Sun like crank it open. I've never heard of that. And it was a standard transmission. So it was oh, a wow. shift. And, you know, when I think about that car and I think about the time that I had that car, you know, I had that car when I was in college. And I went to UC Santa Barbara and my family was in um, Oceanside, Carlsbad. So like three plus hours away with LA traffic. I mean, there are times that you've been six <laughs> yeah. hours away, but, but that car, you know, really gave me, and, and those drives gave me a lot of time to just think and um, to reflect and mm-hmm. to listen to music, you know, because of course I made mixtapes and I still actually have one of the mixtapes from those drives and it is epic. Oh, it's the (laughs) best mixtape ever. It's so random, so random, but anyway, um, 
And so, you know, I, I think about that car and I think about, you know, just what it offered. And I also think about um, the fact that it was a, a stick shift. You know, I, I am somebody where it hasn't always come easy and the ride has not always been smooth. And I've had to move through my journey in life with intentionality. Mm-hmm. and and making hard choices and and when you drive a stick which nobody drives nowadays but you have to drive with intentionality like you have to be to pay attention yeah. yeah and and you have to know what you're doing and, and you have to move your feet a certain way and you know so so it requires you know again kind of this this consciousness to driving um and I think that that to me, if I was a car, you know, even though there are times where in this journey of life, this road of life, you know, I've probably looked up and thought, wow, I don't know where I was the past three exits. Like, you know, I am just on <laughs> cruise control. Um, yeah. I think more often than not, you know, I have a, a heightened level of consciousness about where I've been, where I am and, and where I want to get to. That's probably the most well thought out response I've received. <laughs> also very on brand. <laughs> yes. 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 Very. Yep. Love that though. Yep. My metaphors. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when was the last time someone said something like that's so on brand for you, or this is so you, this reminds me of you. Like what is the the context of that <laughs> aside from lighthouses? Well, I mean, you just took my answer away. I mean, I think on a daily basis, you know, of the 400, 500 alums who went on a lighthouse, the number of times that I get sent pictures of lighthouses or, you know, somebody got a lighthouse tattoo uh, on themselves. Do you ever get sick of seeing lighthouses? No. (laughs) I know. Same with me and giraffes. I'm like, keep them coming. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I love that. And it's fun. You know, I, I don't know why this thought, but I, I feel like it's appropriate to share. I mean, the original lighthouse, the, the image was clip art. Yeah. It was Microsoft clip art. <laughs> and there are individuals in the world right now who have Microsoft clip art <laughs> tattooed to their body. Like, <laughs> legitimately. I've never I, thought of that. That's so Microsoft funny. Microsoft clip art. And so that to me, like when I think about going back to your question, as far as the logo, you never know what a symbol means to somebody. And like that Microsoft clip art, I mean, to this day, 500 people, when they see that Microsoft clip art image, it's, it is an emotional reaction. Um, So I just kind of had to go back to All right. So, um, so on that can board. be your answer. That's okay. fine. That gets to be my <laughs> I'll accept that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> what were you like as a child? Like, what is a on-brand story for you as a kid? <laughs> I have some uh, inclination, I think. But <laughs> you know, um, my father used to joke that I would it's therapy to my Barbie dolls. (laughs) You know, my father, um, you know, when I was a kid, I, I definitely was, I was that friend 
you know, I was that person that somebody would call. I was that person that, that people could lean on and rely upon. Like I was that person. I was that friend who I had the friends who, who weren't popular. I had the friends who had hard lives. I had the friends who got pregnant in high school. I had the friends whose parents or siblings were addicts or alcoholics. Like, like that's who I was. Like, I feel, you know, that, that there was a part of me that was always more invested in people's stories than in what they offered, uh, as far as, you know, superficially, you know, the athlete or, or that kind of thing. I think though, too, there was a, a price paid in that at that time, because I loved others, cared about others more than myself. And I think that, that, that was, you know, when I think about my journey, you know, that's something that, that took a long time for me that I was probably, I actually could tell you exactly. I was 25 when there was kind of this shift in my brain of prioritizing myself over others. Um, and, and it took some time, but, but I was definitely, you know, that kid. Yeah. You were the, the one people would call. Yeah. Cause you yeah. probably approach the situation without judgment. hundred percent. While still 100%. making it kind of fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have this vivid memory of you and I've told this story to you before, but in the old Callahan, mm-hmm. the door to the counseling center I forget what that looked like, but the door into like your office, or maybe it was the door into the counseling center had like a little square window. Yep. And I remember your office door was open and you were like on your computer or whatever. And it was probably like six or 7 PM at night. Like you probably shouldn't have been there, but whatever. And I'm walking through and I had just broken up with one of my boyfriends. And I like remember looking through the little square window and making eye contact with you. And then I just started sobbing. And you were like, all right, come in here. Oh, man. Come on. <laughs> what in going here? On? What's going on? It's yep. just so funny. I don't even remember what we talked about, but I, I remember that moment so well. I was like, you're still here. Thank goodness. Yep. Yep. You're definitely that person for so many of us, for sure. It's, you know, it, it is a blessing for me. You know, I think that, you know, you could never convey to, you know, in doing this work what each and every single one of you has done for me. And, you know, that, and I think that, that as much as I have tried to be a lighthouse for others, like I have been, you know, I've learned, been inspired, guided, helped and taught by, by every individual that, that I think I've come in contact with, you know, I think that there's always, you know, that to me is so crucial is it's about connection. And, you know, we have the opportunity to positively or negatively influence the lives of other people on a daily basis, whether it's the guy who knows my name, who gives me my Dunks coffee, like I can positively or negatively impact his life every single day. Um, You know, I have the ability to positively or negatively impact, you know, the person who cuts me off in traffic. Like I can either be somebody who is, you know, thinking to herself, like maybe they're rushing to the hospital right now. Maybe they just lost their job as opposed to me flipping them off and, and honking my horn. Like I have that, that ability. Um, and, and other people have, have had that ability in my life when I've needed it. Always. I mean, sometimes the negative wins the day, but yeah, 
try not to, not every day, maybe not every day. And, and every single day we have the opportunity to do it better than the day before. Yeah. And, exactly. you know, I think that, that that's one of those where as we, you know, again, if we prioritize things, the way that we do our physical health, like we have the ability to be stronger every day. We have the ability to be more flexible every single day, to right. be more open, to be more curious, all of those things. We have that, that opportunity and to reflect on, you know, what? yesterday was a bad day. I was off yesterday and today I get the chance to, to be better. Right. The power is in our hands. Mm-hmm. We have the power to do that. That's what I try and remember. Mm-hmm. All right. So the last question I always ask people is about a funny story. If you have one, <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Like when you gave me this question, I'm like, I am the worst person ever. Like, is my life not funny? No, like, it's just a lot of pressure for people like, to think of. Oh my God. Because it's one of those, like, I think about things that are totally inappropriate. Like, that's where my brain oh, always goes yeah. to. The inappropriate. <laughs> like, the things that I probably can't share. Right. Um. So so that's where where I guess I, I struggle. Um. <laughs> The, the most with this one. Yeah. See, like, what, I, what makes I, you laugh? Like, what's your sense uh, of humor? It's dark. Yeah. My <laughs> sense of humor is so dark and twisted. And, um, you know, I think that I, I'm one of those, like, and I, I have the mug, I have a mug that somebody gave me and, um, the mug is something like, you know, I'm a whole lot of love and light and also fuck off. Like, you know, it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like, like that to me, like the things that I find funny are the things that are just very so, on brand. <laughs> yeah. And so inappropriate. Um, so, you know, I, I guess that, you know, the things that, that make me laugh are, are those things that, um, that kind of poke fun at, at the struggles that kind of, you know, I think that, you know, being able to laugh at yourself and, you know, being able to just own who you are and, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, all of it. And so I think, you know, I, those are the things that I find funny. I find the things that, that, you know, make fun of, of the darkness, you know, and, and kind of, um, you know, especially where we live in such a uh, polarized and, you know, competitive and, you know, contentious environment. Um, you know, I, I seek out things that are going to bring me humor. You know what? I, as I'm saying all of this and I'm thinking of things that I go to to seek out humor, panda bears in the winter. Like if you watch videos of pandas sliding on their big fat bellies, like that <laughs> shit is funny. Or the panda bear who like basically like drops their kid for an apple and they're like like if you watch panda videos, any animal videos. Yeah. I'm the same way. I always say animal videos. Yep. Yeah. I think that's why comedy is so important is because it pokes fun at things that are kind of traumatizing, but yes. that's how sometimes yeah. we have to work through things or it's like the first step in, in realizing that something's bothering you. And it's also so relatable. Yes. It kind of brings that, that comfort. You're like, I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah. You know, and 
in thinking about that, like there's a, there's a video out there. It's called sad cat diary. It is the funniest (laughs) video ever because it's this voice that's like dear diary. And it's like this, this really sad cat, but everything the cat is talking about are the things that people who own cats, like they, they relate to relate to. (laughs) And so it's like this really sad video, but it's so relatable. And so that's, (laughs) Yes, that is what makes me laugh. I'm going to watch that when we get off. (laughs) Oh, you have to. If you are a cat person, that is the fun. The sad dog, not as funny. The sad cat, hilarious. Hilarious. I got a few people I can send it to. Yes. It's very, it's, (laughs) cats are a brand of themselves and that video is on brand for cats. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for coming on here. This has been amazing. Thank you. you. Yeah. I, I always tell people if you went to our college and you don't know Lindsay, then you probably were either mentally stable or pretending to be mentally stable. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you don't know Lindsay? You're crazy. Yeah. And and it, uh, (laughs) it's been, I mean, I was in Disney uh this June and all oh, of yeah. a sudden Lindsay and it was like oh my god I can't go anywhere anywhere, anywhere. um and so but but it is you know as I said you know it's when you have the 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 opportunity and and the blessing to be able to touch other people's lives um you know I hold that very precious to me very precious but yeah thank thanks so much for coming on um if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how, how can they do that? Yes. So, um, the website is lighthousecc.info. Um, and it shares, you know, that is, is how to get a hold of me, you know, even if, um, it's, it's more for mental health counseling, it's a way to get a hold of me, but, but it outlines, you know, the coaching that I'm able to offer the speaking engagements and, you know, I think that that one thing I am always open to the needs of whatever audience, you know, I'm speaking to. And so any presentation that I do, any any training, any workshop is going to be designed and catered specifically to to that particular population, to the particular needs of the group or organization. So so that is the best way. Awesome. Well, that's all I got. So thanks so much this has been so great a great way to start my day and i hope that we can connect again soon absolutely awesome well thank you